Welcome to the Tools for Today's Farmers podcast, brought to you by the Purdue Extension Farm Stress Team. Our podcast will cover current issues in farming and will provide insight from a wide variety of experts in agriculture. Now let's get farm strong. tuning in. I'm your host, Rachel Dillhoff. And I'm your co-host, Abby Heidenreich. And today we're happy to have Lieutenant Governor Suzanne Crouch with us. And she is the 52nd Lieutenant Governor of Indiana, President of the Indiana Senate, and a born and raised Hoosier. So thank you so much for being with us today. Um, I know I gave a very brief introduction to all the very impressive things that you've done, um, but I'm just wondering if you could introduce or maybe tell us a little bit more about yourself, um, what you do, uh, and your connections with the agricultural farming community, if, if any. Absolutely. Well, you know, as lieutenant governor, I probably have more duties and responsibilities than any other lieutenant governor in the country, seriously, because in most states, the Lieutenant Governor acts if the governor's incapacitated, which is true in Indiana, but as you mentioned, constitutionally, I'm president of the Senate, but statutorily, I head up four agencies, so I'm very proudly serve as the Secretary of Agriculture and Rural Development, but also oversee OCRA, or the Office of Community and Rural Affairs, the Housing Development um, Agency, which promotes and uh, supports affordable and workforce housing, and then the Destination Development Corporation, which encompasses tourism. But I, I also chair a number of initiatives that are important to me. One of them, I chair the Intellectual and Developmental Disability Task Force. We have 100,000 Hoosiers who have autism, Down syndrome, or cerebral palsy. And so we work through that task force so that they can live, work, and play in safe, accessible, affordable environments. But then I also co-chair the Indiana Mental Health Roundtable, uh, which actually brings in the private sector to come alongside what the state is doing to get help to those Hoosiers who struggle. And I know that hopefully we'll be talking about mental illness and addiction a little later in the podcast. But through my agencies, they're, for the most part, really focused on rural Indiana. And one of the initiatives that we have undertaken through the Office of Community and Rural Affairs, expanding broadband throughout Indiana, absolutely critical for rural Indiana, for our farmers and our ag businesses, because if you do not have good connection, it's kind of hard to operate in today's environment. And also if we wanna keep our young people on the farm and in, in our small rural communities, we need to have that connection. So we will continue to make it a priority with the monies that we have already awarded, we will be connecting 75,000 new Hoosier families and businesses. So really excited about getting every Hoosier connected to the last mile. Absolutely. And you uh, you grew up and you were from the Vandenberg County area, which is uh, an urban city area, but also has a lot of rural ties too. Um, so I'm sure you had your fair share of interactions with the farming and agriculture community there. Oh, I did. And, you know, growing up in Southwest Indiana, uh, agriculture was part of everyday conversation, particularly for those of us who live in the county outside of the city of Evansville. Uh, I came up in county government with Randy Crone, who now serves as the president of Indiana Farm Bureau. And so just having 
gain that appreciation of how important agriculture is to Vanderbilt County, it was extremely important. And now as that Secretary of Agriculture, I realize that it's even more important to Indiana. It contributes over $35 billion to our state's economy. We are now the seventh largest farming state, having moved up three spots over the last three years. And 83% of Indiana is farmland, woodland, or forest. And so being able to understand that agriculture is such a big part of who we are as a state and as Hoosiers um, is something that I appreciate as Secretary of Agriculture, but I also appreciate as a Hoosier from Southwest Indiana. Absolutely. And I know anyone who follows you know that you um that mental health is a huge priority of yours. Um, and you mentioned that roundtable discussion. Uh, the Farm Stress Team was a part of that at State Fair this last year, and we were very excited to be a part of that conversation too. So tell us a little bit, let's dig just a little bit deeper here. Why are you so passionate about mental health? Well, my for, for me personally, my family um, has struggled with mental illness and addiction all my life. Now, when I was a young child growing up, I didn't understand that or appreciate it. I think we all think our families are perfect or normal. Uh, and it wasn't until I was a young adult that I came to understand that my mother, who was always very loving, but she struggled with depression and anxiety her whole life. And then last year, we buried my brother Larry, older brother Larry. Um, he was an alcoholic and he drank himself to death. My younger sister, Nancy, who was 18 months younger than me, uh, died in her early 20s on the third attempt by suicide. So my husband and I started, I think, our little perfect family, and uh, we have a daughter, Courtney, and she is uh, 16 years sober and bipolar. And so you realize, I've come to appreciate and understand that, you know, if people that struggle with mental illness or addiction uh, don't choose that, you know, and many, many times it's the genes they inherit. And so it's important that we give people the opportunity to be healthy and to be successful. That's why I'm so engaged. I'm so proud of Purdue Extension, you know, for the efforts that you make all the time and particularly for your partnerships in our healthy lives, healthy, healthy, healthy minds, healthy lives, um, you know, workshops where we try to bring resources and education to those that, you know, in the farming community, because they, the challenge I find not only in the farming community, but also in certain professions, in law enforcement, you know, in fire, in first responders, some professions, people feel like they have to be strong and they have to be resilient. And, you know, they are just like the rest of us. They, you know, have the same stressors in their lives. They have periods where, you know, you, you go through uncertainty and anxiety and depression and, you know, being able to remove the stigma associated with mental illness and addiction and getting help to people is extremely important and critical, um, particularly among our young people. Yes, uh, that very, very, very important. I think it's it's amazing all the areas that you advocate for. Being a mother of a child with autism, I can very much appreciate that. Um, and then all that you've done for mental health, breaking that stigma, um, are there anything like any specific um, maybe instances or success stories or successful events or successful, let's say, like laws or or anything like that, that you're really proud of that you want to share um, as it relates to maybe mental health 
Absolutely. You know, a couple of things that we did, one in partnership with you all that was referenced earlier, is that we had a, a Mental Health Matters Day at the State Fair, uh, where we ended up in, in a very prominent part of the State Fair, having a display on mental health and having stakeholders that participated, being able to get resources and bring education to fairgoers. And I think First of all, it was well attended and a lot of people came up and asked for information and shared their stories. But I think the most important thing is it helped to normalize the conversation and to normalize that it's okay not to be okay all the time because here we are at a, at a state fair where everybody's coming in and enjoying themselves and, and we're just saying, hey, this is normal, this is okay, and let us go ahead and help you and get resources to you. Very proud of that, but also proud that we held a mental health summit in May of this year where we brought together over 500 stakeholders throughout Indiana, educating people and sharing best practices when it comes to mental illness and addiction. And we focused on youth and adolescents. We also focused on the workforce. And we focus on faith-based initiatives because I believe there's more opportunity for us to partner with our faith-based organizations in getting help to the people that they serve because 60% of Hoosiers go to church and people, pastors, ministers, priests, rabbis, they're in the business of taking care of people. So if we can partner with them and be able to help them get the help to those that need that, I think there's a real opportunity for us as a state to be able to do that. So those are just two kind of small examples. And healthy minds, healthy lives, you know, being able to partner with you all and other stakeholders to, you know, to bring resources and education to people in the communities they live, because we need to, we need to take mental health services and mental health information to people where they are. And we can't always expect them to come to where we are. But then I'll tell you what, also, that expanding broadband throughout Indiana helps us in terms of providing telehealth to those who are struggling with mental illness and addiction. Because, you know, oftentimes, as we all know in rural Indiana, you don't always have all the providers you need. People have to struggle sometimes with transportation. And so being able to access those professionals via their computer um, is such a positive and such a important way to be able to get help to Hoosiers. Absolutely. And then, you know, along those same lines, you were a huge proponent of the 988 hotline as well, right? Absolutely. You know, thank you for that reminder. Yeah, during the session this year, I testified before the House and Committee, or House Committee and Senate Committee, on behalf of Senator World Act One, uh, which is really unusual. Most of the time, governors and lieutenant governors don't testify on behalf of bills, but it was so critically important for us to get this bill through so that we could be able to have the infrastructure and the funding for the 988 suicide hotline, uh, being able to now have a number where Hoosiers can call if they're struggling or if they have a question or if they're in crisis, be connected with a professional who'll get them connected to the resources in their community. You know, suicide is the 12th leading cause of death among Americans, but it's the third leading cause of death among young people. And I don't know if it would surprise you, but it did surprise me when I learned 
that in the past six months, one out of seven high school boys and one out of four high school girls have contemplated suicide. And so that's the future of Indiana. So we have got to keep pushing forward. We have to keep forming these partnerships to be able to make sure that we get services to everyone who needs them and wants our help. You know, my daughter said she got all the bad genes in the family because she's not only an alcoholic, but she also is bipolar. And I told her, I said, no, honey, it's not the genes you inherit. It's not, you know, it's not that the hand you dealt isn't as important as how you play it. But we've got to give people some good cards to play. You know, that's where the 988 suicide hotline, that's why our moving forward with these partnerships and these workshops that we're doing are so critically important. Absolutely. And that 988 hotline, you can call or text at any time. And just to let the, the farming and rural community know, um, the Farm Stress Team did create a training. And so these these call center workers are trained to deal specifically with people who come from a farming background or come from a rural community. So don't think that you're going to call and nobody's going to know what it's like. Um, we've specifically trained them to be able to take your calls. So don't be afraid to call or text 988 at any time. Um but I think it's super important, too, because um, in your kind of questionnaire when we were talking um, prior to the, the podcast, you said children are dis disproportionately impacted by mental illness. So we need to support the younger generation and the future of agriculture. And I just I love that because it's so true. Could you elaborate on that a little bit? Absolutely. Well, I, I mentioned the statistics as it you know relates to our younger generation. But I also think what I have found in my conversations with our young people across the state, I was in Winnemac and Madison and had the up last week and had the opportunity to talk to some young people, you know, about mental illness and addiction. And they they are much less um there, there, there's much less stigma involved with the younger generation. So they're more open about, you know, what they're dealing with. They're more open about, you know, acknowledging, you know, that they're struggling. Uh, and so I think that that is an important step forward in terms of getting help to people. But I also think not only organizations like Purdue Extension, but I think having organizations like FFA and 4-H where you know, we we are with these young people, and if we see or sense that someone's struggling, they know that they have someone that they can turn to, and I think that is really important. We and we probably ought to examine how we can do more in that area, working with our 4-H general you know, populations and with our um, FFFA students, how we can get you know get them educated so that they can help each other. Uh, I think it might be, and you all probably are already doing some of that. So if you are, tell me about it. Absolutely. Well, it's kind of funny that you do bring that specifically up because that is one of the initiatives that our team has moving into this next year is to develop a, a youth-focused curriculum that can be taught in high school ag classrooms. Um, and we are planning to debut that at National Bay Convention next year. So awesome. our entire next year is going to be focused entirely, um, for the most part, on youth and building a, a curriculum that can be focused directly at youth. And you heard it first here. You heard it first here. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. And, you know, we have our mental health summit next year in June and we are, our focus is on youth and adolescent also. So I think that is really not only coincidental, but extremely important that we're all focused on that younger generation 
and being able to get them educated and the support they need. So thank you all for that. That's exciting. But you know what? It's there. There are so many. Oftentimes, I think so many more stressors in agriculture that people don't know about. I mean, you know, the weather that you can't control, you know, prices, you know, that you can't control, you know, inflation that you can't control, you know. And so all of those kind of, you know, all those kind of factors that you as a farmer don't have any control over that you have to deal with every single year. Um, and your livelihood depends upon it. And then you don't get to leave your farm. You live there. So you're living at your business. And I think, you know, and oftentimes we have our Hoosier Homestead Awards, you know, twice a year here with the Department of Agriculture, where we honor those family farms that have been in those families for 100, 150 or 200 years. And Oftentimes, the generations, the pride that is associated with that and, you know, the stress they feel to be able to be successful and carry on that family tradition is not like any other, I think, business or industry, um, you know, that we have out there. And that's so true. And it's interesting you say that we are working on doing another PSA focused at youth and we were doing our pre-interview screening and uh, the individual that we're going to end up going with, she said something that kind of stumped or just made us think a little bit more as we're talking about these multi-generational farms and the stress that comes with that. Um, and she is currently in college and she said uh, she really struggles with work-life balance. And it's because she was never taught that at home because you're never off. It's always go, go, go. And that to me was something that was like, I didn't even think about that as being a problem down the road because you were never taught that. It's it The importance of it is stress, but just learning that something that might seem so simple is harder than it seems. And I think that that's, um, yes, very important. I, I see Abby, so I can absolutely attest to that. I grew up on a farm and both of my parents were fully employed by the farm and we, there was no off time. There was no work-life balance because, you know, if you had supper, we had supper in the field. If I had homework, it came to the field with us. Um, and so when I went to college, I had the same experience. I really struggled with that work-life balance, led to a lot of other issues, um, anxiety, and just, you know, struggling to keep everything balanced because, you know, farming is a lifestyle and often we, we really struggle with how do we keep everything in balance, which comes right into our mental health too, because we have to balance it with everything else. Absolutely. You know, I visited a dairy farm it's been, in Gibson County. It's been a couple of years ago and, and taking a tour of the dairy farm, you know, the, the farmer was telling me that his father, who was in his 80s, had just taken his first real vacation. I mean, and I, it just kind of blew me away because, you know, that's something that a lot of families look forward to. And it's kind of their way to get away and be able to de-stress. And, you know, and yet, you know, when you're on a farm, you can't leave the animals for two weeks. You know, you can't leave the crops for two weeks if it's at the wrong time of the year. So it really drove home to me, to your point, um, you know, how you really, there, it, it's a totally different lifestyle. And I mean, it's wonderful, but it also has its challenges. 
Yes. There, there are so many challenges, like you said, some that are common in, in ways that everybody can relate to, but others that nobody, unless you're living in that situation, can really understand. And I think it's so neat that you're talking about those future generations um, and just thinking ahead. So with that in mind, uh, I'm just curious what your thoughts are on maybe what that future will look like or what you hope to see. Well, I hope that we continue to have our family farms. You know, there's a trend towards, you know, our farms being bought up and being consolidated into larger operations. And while I understand that, you know, that's kind of market driven, um, I, I hope we're able to preserve the heritage that we have by continuing to have those small family farms that add so much to our character and to our economy and provide you know, meaningful employment for the families that farm them. I, I, I do believe that that broadband expansion will help in terms of being able to address the aging population that we have in terms of our farmers and hopefully be able to keep more young people on the farm and keep them more engaged in preserving that heritage. Uh, but I also think as we, I think there's real opportunity for our young people because say you don't choose to live on a farm, we have such incredible agribusinesses here in the state of Indiana. And there are so many career opportunities for people in agriculture that you know aren't necessarily tied to living in a farm. So. I see this younger generation because they're so much more technically savvy and we're gonna to continue to move more and more in that direction. I think there is a real opportunity here for our young people in Indiana because we are such a big agriculture state and we have Purdue University, which is one of the top ag schools in the country. I think there's a real, a real opportunity for us to move not just from seventh largest farming state in the country, to the first largest, the best farming state in the country. I think there's some real opportunity in the future and it'll be because of our young people. That's great and that's that's so true and no pressure on the younger group, but that's just a lot to look forward to. And I love that you're saying that. I hope those listening can feel really powered, empowered by that and hopeful for the future too. So I want to thank you so much for all this great information. And where can people get more information or, or follow along with what's going on? Obviously is a great uh, website where people can go to, but um, do you have any events coming up maybe um, in the, the next year that people can check out or? Of course, you know, right now, since it's in January, right now we're in session. And so there's a lot of, we're following all the bills that are going through the General Assembly that deal with agriculture. Now, the Indiana State Department of Agriculture didn't have a bill to actually introduce because we're in the short session. So next year, every other year, we have the long session, which is the budget year. This year is the short session. So there'll just be some cleanups and some tweaking. And so we, We'll be looking very, very closely at that legislation as it moves through the General Assembly that affects agriculture. But then also, along with that, we have got a study that we are working on right now, the State Department of Agriculture, where the General Assembly tasks the ISDA with assessing all the lost farmland in Indiana from 2010 
through 2022. So we can see if we've lost farmland due to solar farms or, you know, solar, you know, farms or for, you know, the wind farms uh, or for development or to development. And if we have, how much have we lost? Now, what I've asked the State Department of Agriculture to do, the General Assembly didn't ask for this, but I said to them, hey, let's take it another step forward. Let's look and make sure that none of the land that's been bought or leased is been bought or leased by companies or corporations with unfriendly ties to Indiana and to the United States. So China, you know, Iran, you know, Cuba, you know, those companies that are not friendly to us. So we're going to be looking at that. But then we're also going to be looking at the economic impact of that lost farmland and what that has, what that means. Because our local elected officials are the ones that decide we're going to do a windmill or windmill. We're going to do a wind farm or we're going to do a solar farm. And it would be nice if they could always have, be able to see if they take that land and they turn it into a farm, a wind farm or a solar farm, what is the loss to the county? What's that economic impact of lost revenues to the county? And that'll help them make I think really good decisions in terms of, is this the right thing to do, you know, for our particular county? Because we we don't want to lose valuable farmland if we can keep from it because our population keeps growing in this world and Indiana is responsible for feeding not just Hoosiers, but the rest of the country and the rest of the world. And so we don't ever want to become dependent on foreign countries for our food. We always want to be food secure because it's a matter of national security. So those are kind of some of the things that are taking place and that we're going to be engaged in as we move in, you know, as we continue to move forward into 2024. Absolutely. All very important work. And it's so appreciated that um, all of that data that you're gathering is going to be very beneficial to decisions in the future, for sure. So thank you so much for all of the work that you're doing on behalf of agriculture in Indiana. Um, so, yeah, we want to thank you for being with us today. We want to thank you all for listening to the Tools for Today's Farmer podcast. If you would like more information about the Purdue Extension Farm Stress team, go to our website, extension.purdue.edu slash farmstress, or find us on Facebook as the Purdue Extension Farm Stress team. We use the hashtag FarmStrong on our post to emphasize that the agriculture community is resilient and is strong enough to overcome anything that comes their way. Share your story of overcoming stress on social media using the hashtag FarmStrong. We're your hosts, Rachel Dillhop and Abby Heinwright. Thanks for joining us.